Welcome to Get Closer to Your Core. I'm Dr. Debbie Magids, a New York-based psychologist, and I've started this podcast because it is a passion of mine to start getting people to think of self-awareness as a lifestyle, an ongoing pursuit to monitor what's happening in your unconscious that's playing out in your conscious world. The only way I feel that you can really have agency over your lives is if you grasp onto the concept that self-awareness is your true superpower. And without it, you're really not in charge of the things that you do, whether it's who you fall in love with or who you become friends with or what goes on in your career. And today I want to talk about friendships and how getting to your core really helps in your friendships. And my guest today is my best friend for, I don't know how many years, Lisa, 46, 45, 47, 46 years. We know each other since we're 12 years old. Um, Lisa, Ten years, yeah. yeah. Lisa Levy is vice president of digital and marketing, digital and product management of Robbins Entertainment. It's a music company. And she's not a psychologist. She's not an expert psychologically in friendships, but we have been best friends for many, many years. And we've had many, many ups and downs and talks. And so I thought what would be great is to have someone on who is a person in the world who does friendships well. So many of my clients, they don't just come to me with love issues or family issues. A lot of people have issues with women and with friendships. And so it would be a good idea to talk through what works in friendships, what doesn't work in friendships. And I'm using my best friend as a, a leader in that because I've known her forever and she's always had great friendships. So welcome, Lisa. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, so why don't we start? start with what does friendship mean to you or what has friendship done for you? Okay. Well, friendship to me is everything. I know that not many women can say that, or some do, some don't, some guys are more important. All throughout my relationships, my life, I think female friendships are the pinnacle, I think. And I work really hard to keep them, maintain them, nurture them. So, um, so, so if you're saying they're the pinnacle, the most important, tell me specifically, what have they done for you? They, uh, okay. I, my friends give me confidence and, um, a secure place to like vent or talk or talk about anything. Mm -hmm. I know that I can trust my friends and, and so my friendships give me all the things that maybe my marriage does and doesn't, you know? So it's like they fill definite holes or they complement what my husband can give me because my husband certainly can't fulfill my every need. And there are many conversations that I have with my friends that I would never have with my husband. Mm -hmm. um, so my friendships are for fun, mm -hmm. um, you know, laughter, girl stuff, things that I like, you know, Broadway shows, movies, TV, celebrities, pop culture, whatever it is, I can find a friend who likes it. And, and, you know, and just, yeah, just trust. I think just a, a circle of trust. Have you have always, to. have you always felt trust with your girlfriend group or is that something that grew over time? Well, it definitely has grown over time because obviously like in middle school and high school, I would say college is where it really started to firm up, you know, solidify for you. School, uh, yeah, solidify. 
middle school and junior high, they're so hard, man. I mean, you know, you all know. Um, I hate you. I like you. You're my friend. You're not my friend. What are you yeah. talking about? I, it was so easy for me. One day, Debbie will publish her diary and then everybody. <laughs> well, no, what really went on when we were 12. Right. But I would say college was definitely solidified like you had your girls you had your gang and you were like set like mm -hmm. you were good and mm -hmm. i feel bad for people who didn't have close friendships in college i may not be best friends with every girl that i was friends with in college mm -hmm. but for those four years or even afterwards you know mm -hmm. the residual effects of college it was great mm -hmm. i mean it really was debbie and i went to college together and it was it was great mm -hmm. yeah so just a little background we were in junior high, high school, college. We lived together after college. We did have a friendship breakup, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. And then we came back together. And I think post the breakups more solid than ever before, because of getting closer to our core, we met super young. And just as a reminder, if you are drawn to someone, I don't care if it's a love relationship or a close friendship, it's unconscious plugging into unconscious. It's wounds meeting wounds. There's reasons why we really get close to people. And Lisa and I met so young, there were wounds meeting wounds. And as we got older, we both had to do some work on ourselves to not lose the closeness, but to you know enhance it by understanding what was getting triggered in me, what was getting triggered in her that led to a need to separate because we didn't understand. So that's why I have Lisa here too, because we, we really had to work hard on ourselves and our unconscious stuff to stay as close as we are. And we would both say that can't imagine life without each other. We, we, we rely on each other for everything. Um, regardless of who else is in our lives. We, so anyway, um, I digressed, but I thought important. So Lisa, um, a big theme that I talk about is we all have a birth lottery. We're born where we're born. There are some things that we do well and we don't get credit for it because it, it came naturally to us. It just worked. And there are some things that didn't work. And that's the stuff that we have to work really hard at. So I know that you came from a mom who was super social. Um, so you grew up watching social and you, you have, I think, gone in that path of, you know, Lisa is emulating her mom in those ways. You know, she wants to play tennis and pickleball and cards <laughs> and, and all sorts of things that are women-oriented activities. But if you were to label one thing that was a strength of yours that was given to you young, that, that helped you cultivate friendships, um, what would that be for you? That you I don't know. get credit for, but it comes natural to you and it may not come naturally to somebody else. And so mm -hmm. it would be good for them to hear. I totally, to me, this was a no brainer for me. I am an initiator. Mm -hmm. I will make the plan, get the tickets, set the dates, follow up, stay on top of it. Um, you know, people don't need, you know, text me back. I'll be like, you, what's going on? Let's, let's make a date. Let's make mm -hmm. a plan. Mm -hmm. I am an initiator, but a follow through, you know, yes. like, so, and that I think is, is my whole life. I really think I, that, you know, camp friends, college friends, school friends, ex-boyfriends. I mean, God, I know where everybody is. And if I want to see somebody, I will initiate. 
you know, even if I don't want to see somebody, I'll initiate. So yes. And I love that you picked that because it is the number one thing that, you know, Lisa will do if she hasn't seen someone, even if she wasn't super close or the last time she saw them, it didn't go so well, she's ready to go again. And, you know, that takes some confidence that the people in your life like you want to be around you. Um, You trust that there won't be a rejection at the other end. Many people stop themselves from initiating because they're not so sure other people want them around or there'll be a yes on the other end and they hold themselves back. And so if for some of you listening, this would be a great area for you to think about. And if you aren't initiating, and that is part of why your friendships are not moving forward because you're always waiting for someone to initiate with you for fear of rejection or not being liked or not being wanted, you have to act as if you have to start to push yourself into new behavior to a, maybe sometimes prove yourself wrong. You know, just because we feel it doesn't make it true. We have to go to the science and maybe the data and the science is people would love to see you. They just think you don't want to see them because you're never initiating. So that's a great quality. On the other side, what are some core themes that you think may have worked against you in your friendships that you had to overcome by going closer to your core? I, I would say there are two. The, um, my need for control. I think that's why I initiate, you mm-hmm. know, because I need to control the situation. I need to make the plan, see it through, set the date, follow up. Yay. You know, um, and then, okay. So my need for control, but then I think the other thing that is, um, that I've worked on is fear of confrontation, mm-hmm. confronting friends over the years as definitely, I, I've definitely improved in that area, but it takes a lot of work, you know? And I think sometimes the fear of confrontation and the need for control come, you know, smack up against each other. Can, can you be a little more specific so people have more of a sense of what you're talking about in terms of need for control or fear of confrontation? Okay, let's go for fear of confrontation. Okay. You know, let's say you have an issue with a friend, mm-hmm. you know, um, like Debbie and I have had issues. Said um, Debbie and Lisa, yes. Right, right. Right. Oh yeah. It's out there and it's, you know, it's, it's evident. Um, but earlier in the friendship, you know, college, post-college, um, if I would have any, um, problems or issues that I wanted to discuss, oh my God, it would take a, I don't even know if I could do it. I would walk on eggshells around it. When I finally did it, it wouldn't come out. You know, I would second guess myself and then the fear of your reaction or the other person's reaction. Mm -hmm. So um, either you put it off or you just don't do it, you know, Mm -hmm. but that has definitely improved over the years with understanding yourself, self-awareness and, you know, and all that getting closer to your core. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, my core is definitely there was fear and to get over the fear of even talking to a friend who Mm You love, like, does she love me the way I love her? Does she care about this friendship the way I do? I remember when we broke up or when we were having problems back in our 20s and I would be like, well, maybe she doesn't care, but then I'm not going to care. I'm going to try not to care. (laughs) And, you know, so you don't know what the other person's feeling and you make up shit in your head Mm -hmm. and um, which may be true or may not be true. Mm-hmm. So but well, ni- 99% of the things that we make up on our head are not true. Right. But what about that 1%? There is that 1%. <laughs> but ju- just for uh, life lessons out there, um, we're all a bit narcissist, narcissists yes. in that 
we're in our own heads personalizing everything, but most of the stuff we are making up. And that's why it becomes important to check it out and to forge forward and act as if and see if what you're thinking about or feeling is actually true. Um, what, Lisa? No, I was actually thinking, so confronting a friend or talking about a sensitive subject with a friend, I've definitely gotten so much better. Yes. But then you have, you could talk to a friend about, so you finally get up the courage and talk to your friend about a sensitive thing. And then it doesn't, either well. she doesn't hear it, it doesn't go well, or, you know, it's just kind of crazy. So it goes both ways. Yes, it can yeah. go both ways. Um, just to backtrack a little, Lisa was talking about fear of confrontation and she mentioned it, but I just want to clarify when people are afraid to confront and, you know, when people use the word confrontation, I always like to relanguage. It's actually sometimes just conversation, but it feels like a confrontation because underlying the fear is, will this person retaliate? Will this person be angry at me? Will this person still like me? Will this person not want to be my friend anymore? So there's a lot that goes on beneath when someone says, I'm afraid to confront. But if everyone out there listening, if you change confront to converse, then you have a voice and you have a conversation. And yes, there is always the chance that somebody will not receive what you're saying or have a bad reaction. The best you can do is put it out there. And if they have a bad reaction, then you deal with that outcome. But if you never put it out there, you never know. Right. Yeah. So there's a, yes, there's always that chance, but I've definitely gotten better and it takes work. It really does. It takes work and experience mm -hmm. and doing it, mm -hmm. you know, really doing it. And so let's move Lisa to friendship breakups, because I know that this is a topic that is near and dear to you and sort of the impact of what friendship breakups are, because people talk about breakups in terms of romantic breakups. They never really, you don't hear that much about what it feels like to lose a best friend. I think when you lose a best friend, because you don't, nobody talks about it and you never expect that. You know, I think people expect, yeah, you break up, things work out or they don't work out with a guy. It happens more often. The female friendship breakup is to me like traumatic. It's like somebody who has been in your life, your whole life, you've grown up with this person or you've really, spend time and you've trusted and you've talked. And I, I mean, in that way, I guess it's similar, but it's just really, to me, it felt more traumatic. And it's also like crushing to your self-confidence. Um, Cause you're like, I thought you think you're in sync with a friend. You just mm -hmm. don't expect a friendship to break up with a female friendship. Mm -hmm. And when it happens, you're just like, what? it just, it really knocks you off your axis. It, it really does. Mm -hmm. it, it's, yeah, more so than a breakup. I've had many serious relationships and big breakups that were heartbreaking. And somehow you like, well, it didn't work out and you accept it and you, you know, you, you kind of suffer through it, but then you get over it or you move on. Female friendships, really hard. Yeah. Also, because most of the time the female friend is entwined in your whole social friend life. Mm -hmm. group. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it becomes an issue. Well, if she's going to be there, then I can't be there. And, and Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Or someone's upstairs while someone's downstairs. <laughs> well, now yeah. she's getting very specific to the right. incidents the that happen. Friends that are in the middle. In our know, lives. Cause we are a uh, threesome best friendship. And when yeah. Lisa and I had our friendship breakup, our third poor thing, Shari was in the middle of us. <laughs> 
And so it was a little dicey there for a few years. Um, yes, that's exactly a good word, dicey. Very it was dicey. dicey. And, and I think the important thing is, is that closeness and vulnerability and emotional connection can be just as intense between girls as with the people we fall in love with romantically. And it is not given its due sometimes. You know, Lisa and I have had to work some things out in therapy together. We've gone together a handful of times, even though I'm on top of my issues and she's on top of her issues. Sometimes we have gotten stuck over the years and we were that important to each other to work it out and gain a deeper understanding to move to the next level of growth. And we, we've had some, um, you know, experiences where people don't understand that. Um, I will tell you, I will tell you that many, 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 many female friendships, because I've been talking to people for, for about 25 years now, and I'm the confidant to everybody. Um, many female friendships are not as open and vulnerable. They don't tend to work on the relationship with one another. They'll hold things in. They'll talk behind your back. They'll talk to their husbands about their female friends. That does not go on here. Um, we are honest with each other, authentic with each other, sometimes not right away, but eventually anything that we've thought or talked about elsewhere comes to each other so that we can have a more pure connection. And I highly recommend it for people, not every single friend in your life, but your first tier people that you really rely on, it really bonds you in a whole different way. Wouldn't you agree, Lisa? Beyond. I thought it was really helpful. And I remember the last time we went a couple of years ago, I was like, like, oh no, I think we're doomed. I, I really, I really felt like we were in a bad space. And I thought therapy was so helpful and mm-hmm. talking about it in a safe space with like a moderator, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I thought it was really good. I, 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 I think people poo poo therapy for female friendships. They mm-hmm. should rethink that. It was yes, if, if, if the connection's important enough to you. And right. I will just one more tidbit. When you get closer to your core, you're really looking at childhood issues and the way you connected to your mother and your father and the way they connected to each other. We just become them. We take in their issues. And then what we do is we fall in love with people or we find close friends and we keep replaying the issues of young. So anything unresolved from young, anything that didn't get filled on an emotional needs basis comes right into any close connection, whether it's with a girl or a boy, um, heterosexual, homosexual, it doesn't matter. If you fall into someone in an emotional connection, your issues are there. And so then it becomes up to you to figure out what your wounds are, what you're bringing to the connection, what you're supposed to be putting on the other person and what you're supposed to deal with for yourself. And that it's not the other person's responsibility to fill for you. And Lisa and I learned what those things are for one another. And we've made tons and tons and tons of progress, um, you know, where I think we've been pretty okay for a little while now. Yes. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we've had a, a snafu in, in at least a year now. Yeah. But we're, when we go on vacation together, we do. So. Yes. Yeah. We'll do. <laughs> well, you know, and we also vacation together one week every year. Um, right. So. Um, So I'd like to, I've decided I'm going to end my podcast. I do not believe in regret, meaning in hindsight, once we get closer to our core, there's always things that we like, God, if I only knew then what I know now, maybe I would have done it differently. And so 
this question that I'm asking is not one of regret because we all do the best that we can within what we know at the moment and everything becomes a lesson and everything's growth. So we're not really looking to redo life, but I know I have something that every once in a while I keep saying, ah, if I can only have a redo, I would do this so differently. Is there something that comes up for you, Lisa, that if, if you had a redo, knowing what you know now, you would say something different or do something different or act different? What comes up for you? Well, what comes up, but it's not about friendship. Mm -hmm. it's, That's it okay. Goes, this is just oh, a okay. throw it goes question. Along the theme of fear of confrontation. If I had anything to do over again, mm -hmm. my father, when he got diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer and had six months to live, he didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about it. Nobody talked about it. My mm -hmm. mother, my brother, myself, I was 22. If I could go back, I would, I don't know if he would talk about it, but I would certainly try. Mm -hmm. That is the one biggest regret is that mm -hmm. that time just went mm -hmm. and it, nobody talked about anything. And yes. I was 22. I wasn't eight, you know? Yeah. Which I know is super sad for you, but do you think that because that happened, as you learned about yourself, it has helped you open up and confront present day more so because of the regret you had over not being able to do it then? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And especially when you just asked that question, I was like, yes, I think it has. <laughs> yes. Now I don't want, you know, I would never let nothing be said in a mm -hmm. lot of circumstances now where I would have let it go before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, yeah, actually that's, I have a better way of looking at it, but yes, it sucked that. Oh, Doc, Dr. Debbie's in the house. I, I got to give you some tidbit. Yeah. Right. No, but that really is. So, I mean, I was 22. I can't kill myself over it, but mm -hmm. you know, it is a regret, but yes, I've taken it to heart and mm -hmm. I've shifted and I've grown from it. Yes. And yes. So Yes, I definitely have learned from it. And obviously it's like 30 years later, but. Yes, and yeah. and I wanna, you know, we're, we're coming to an end here. I just wanna also say, Lisa, thank you. You were very open and honest about some of your core themes of, let's just go with the most, the biggest one of fear of confrontation or fear of saying to someone how you feel because you don't want them to be upset with you or angry with you or whatever the other consequences are. When it comes to our core themes, as a reminder, they never disappear. They may go to sleep. So we think they're gone and then something can change in your life, a life circumstance, and they will come up as if you've never done a day of work. I want everyone to keep in mind, as you understand your core themes, your work is done. You have the tools. So even if you think some themes are licked, if they show up, you just have to do the work of reminding yourself what's getting triggered. What is this about? What does it have to do with young? Am I feeling what is deserved in the present moment? Or is this something unresolved from my childhood? And in the present moment, it's not actually happening. And also a reminder that the things that were put inside of us, we were kids, we were young, we didn't know anything. We're now adults. So the task is to grow your insides up to match your outside. You're no longer seven, you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 25. And you have more available to you to be able to forge forward and not fall off the face of the earth. If mom or dad are angry at you or don't approve of you, because that's where it all comes from. Anything else you want to say, Lise, before we end today? 
No, I've, I've loved it. I think this is always so great. I love talking to Dr. Debbie. Well, thank you for joining me and having a candid, open conversation and hopefully to be continued in, in future um, podcasts. Yeah, um, anytime. So everyone out there, go get closer to your core until next time. <laughs>